0: Welcome to the 9th of March session. Um, we're talking about uh, trapped emotional energy being held deep in the subconscious mind or according to the yogis they talk about it as being samskaras s-a-m-s-k-a-r-a-s in Sanskrit. And that means a scar or an imprint on the emotional body. <clears throat> and so when we encounter trauma or any form of emotional pain unless we are in a very high state of detachment then we're going to take it on and what does taking it on mean? it means from an energetic standpoint you're effectively absorbing the energy signature of that event into your emotional or sorry your energetic um framework right just imagine we've got the yogis say quite clearly we've got four bodies we've got the physical body okay no no argument about that but then there's another body which interpenetrates and extends slightly outside of the physical body, and that's called the energy body or the auric field. There's another name for it. And the proof of the existence of that, we've done this before. But if you rub your hands together like this, <laughs> and then you can rub the center of the palms with your thumb. Now take a a few deep breaths. This charges up the energy body. Fill yourself with energy. Okay, now if you start from holding the hands apart about a meter apart, slowly bring them in. I'm sure we've done this before. Definitely that. So you get to a position. If you miss it, come out and start again. Try not to think too much, you're just... You're getting Sensation there? Dep- yeah.
1: Mm. No, I'm sensationless. Mm. Yeah.
0: What are you feeling? It's
1: like a vibration. Yeah. No. Yeah, like a vibration, like mm. a warmth. Right. Mm.
0: Yeah, describe as warmth. Okay. The other mm. thing you once say so you feel very common is like it's a balloon you get a repulsion see if you can feel that right it's like you can bounce it you can bounce off it now i didn't cue you on this did i this is your discovery now what's happening there is that you can imagine around each hand there's a field an energy field around each hand and so when the two fields collide you get a repulsion effect That's the energy body. Right? Do you believe me? No. I didn't feel it. Didn't work. Well, (laughs) one, two, three, four people said it did. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. it didn't work for me. Okay, well, go home and try it again.
2: Yeah, it's the frame of mind or the mood or... If
0: you're too rational about this, you start to... I'm an accountant. (laughs) 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 What can I say? I'm an (laughs) accountant. Maybe you need to become a creative accountant.
1: (laughs)
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> no,
2: I'm, also I'm also an expert in gov- good, good governance. Yeah, on can't do the creative. <laughs> Can't do that.
0: Of all the professions where creativity is not supported, Indeed. it's in accounting. Good. Anyway, the, the concept here is that we've got this body. Look, if you don't want to accept this uh, experiment, acupuncture works on exactly the same principle. Any kind of energy healing works on the, exactly the same principle. They're not working with your physical body, they're working with your energy body. Mm. You know, if you cut someone open, you're not going to find their meridians anywhere, or the Mm. 72,000 nadis that the yogis talk about. But they're there, and so that's the energy body. Now, within the energy body interacts with the environment, with the energy in the environment. Okay, it doesn't really interact with the physical environment. It interacts with the energetic aspect of the environment now what does that look like well for a start the Sun is streaming energy at the planet all the time so for, for instantly you've got a source of energy that can replenish the energy body which is what we're talking about before if you're going off food you can still energize in the Sun and don't you find I'm not talking about sun to the point of exhaustion But if you're feeling a little bit de-energised, you go and sit in the sun, you know that you feel more energy.
2: But how does that affect, say, the population in the Arctic?
0: They're the ones that end up with Seasonal Affective Disorder. Depression, because they're not getting... Okay, yeah, they're not getting the vitamin D, but the yogis would argue they're not... The sun is the source of all life Mm. on this planet. That's why every... all the pagan religions or the animistic religions all the primitive religions all worship the sun they understand that it it's a mm. primal force of nature and we're the ones that are wearing clothing and being indoors and disconnecting ourselves with nature is it any wonder that we can't feel this stuff but if you go talk to the aborigines i mean this is this is uh, it wouldn't even be a debate it's just self-evident to them so anyway, the energy body is this thing that is there it, it, in disease and I've studied pranic healing in the Himalayas with my teacher and we've done all this but I can convey a little bit to you but not, not to the depth that I was taught because we don't need to know that yet but except that in a disease condition the aura contracts people start to lose their shine you see them when they're not well When someone is radiant and you see their radiance, you're actually seeing with this eye, you're intuiting their energy, the state of their energy body. So now the energy body is also influenced by thought, because thought is fundamentally energy. You can measure thought with EEGs, even. You can see thought as electrical activity in the brain, it's energy. So the thought interacts with the energy body. That's why our thoughts can make us unwell or they can heal us.
2: Whilst so. I didn't um, I didn't feel the effects of the example we mm-hmm. had as practice. Um, I do have a practical example that I know is true mm-hmm. and I know it works because it it, it was something I suffered myself. I had a heart attack and the heart attack um, was due purely and simply to stress
3: mm-hmm. so
2: it was due purely and simply to what was going on in my head um, and so I had all the tests one can possibly have mm-hmm. and physically I was a one mm. so it's called Takotsubo the, it's, wow. yeah it's uh, uh, the aka really uh, broken heart syndrome oh really uh, yeah so when a when a, a couple one dies, one partner dies um, in, the, in the partnership. Uh, often happens with very, very elderly people who've mm-hmm. been together mm-hmm. for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. The other is so distressed that they die shortly after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's broken heart syndrome, and I mm-hmm. mm-hmm. suffered from it. Um, mm-hmm. It was last year I had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. That it's that stress, stress, life, us, itself, physically, doesn't it? Well, S- this this is proof and, it, and, and it all, it's also proof that the medical profession believes this mm. because I was diagnosed with Takatsupa mm. and my, my heart rate reflected the takotsubo heart rate. Mm. So,
0: yeah. Well, do you remember that, those of you that weren't here last week, I said when I broke my foot a month ago, two months ago, I went up to the hospital and I instructed my foot that morning not to, not to hurt anymore because I understood that it was damaged and it needed attention and I, I vowed to my foot that i was going to give it the intention it needed and within half an hour the pain went and i told them that at the hospital not really sure if i should have said that or not and nobody laughed the nurse said that's exactly right mm. we see it all the time people that tell themselves that there is no pain they can make the pain go mm. these are these are trained medical professionals they're not new age Mm. Hippies. So the the broken heart syndrome, I would think, this is just my, my first reaction to that. When people live together a long time, the energy systems actually become entwined. Mm. There's an entanglement that occurs. Mm. If you remove one of those energy systems, plus you put grief on top of that, mm. it could well be the case that you could trigger a physical reaction. Mm. And it's a loss of will to live as well, I mean, it's all tied up. Anyway, we're talking about the subconscious mind. So, the storage of deep conditioned thoughts, beliefs, habits that are being held in the subconscious. And the question is how do we get rid of those? How do we cleanse? How do we free ourselves from patterns of behavior or, um, repetitive thoughts or um, negative views about people about ourself it's you can't do it rationally this is why you can't tell people to snap out of depression you know it's through the non-depressed person you just think well just lighten up Mm. but that doesn't work that way because it's so ingrained deep in them that they can't, the rational mind cannot help you. You can't talk yourself out of these things. You you might sublimate it for a while, or you might distract, or you might use coping strategies that are helping get you through the day, but it's still there until you deal with it. So the question is, what does that look like? if you wanted to really fundamentally change something and you know that it's in the subconscious how are you going to reach there using the tools that you have
1: just keep meditating Okay, okay so
0: I think meditation will help in that it gives you some detachment so it gives you some immediate relief yes. because you're not identifying with the pain.
1: I also find that if I, if I have thoughts come up that I know are just the nonsense chatter, I'll just call it that I'll say, oh, that's, that's just the chatter.
0: That's great for thoughts that you're having now. Mm. And it definitely works. And that's what's meant to happen, is that we're not creating any new impressions. And
1: gradually they subside.
0: They will go, but what about the old stuff?
1: Oh, from embedded. childhood It's would be Inner child
2: work Acknowledging that Like you acknowledged your foot You would not acknowledge that hurt little child inside you and Nourish it and look after it
0: and That I'm sure that that helps for some people mm. But I think I'm coming at this now from a complete yogic analysis oh, Okay That the, all this inner child stuff and rebirthing and regression and all that is pretty recent stuff i mean when i say recent 50 years i don't think we had the language for any of that more than 50 years ago but the stuff i'm talking about is thousands of years old mm. and what is that so they say you've got an energy body energy body absorbs impressions samskaras that are stored in it as trap as blockages in the energy until you free those blockages, and these new techniques can help do that, no I'm not disputing that. But and one way or another you have to go in and break up that energy. You have to go in there and you have to get as close to it as you can. And then you have to you know dissipate it, disintegrate it challenge it even now think of it like this, if you were a little child you saw your parents arguing maybe and to the mind of a child say they're only 5 years old, 6 they might think it's their fault, kids do that, the little kid inside goes, it must have been something I did, maybe if, if they're arguing about you, like different opinions on upbringing or something they're just trying to be good parents and they're trying to figure it out but to the little kid they're looking at it going I caused this and, they, and in, that, in that fragile young mind-body energy system an impression is formed a belief is formed that somehow blames itself for this conflict I'm just giving you one example and so what happens initially it might last for a few days that they're carrying this thing this heaviness but eventually they move on but the heaviness is still there they've sublimated it it's still there, it's trapped emotional or or, um, yeah let's say trapped emotional energy is being held in the energy body if someone had come along the next day or right after they did that and said no what's the matter why are you sad and if they were able to say to them no it's not your fault if you were able to be liberated from it then and there it wouldn't form because it's someone could guide you through it to show that it was just that's not the truth of the situation but if you don't have that that gets stored and then the next time something happens that gets stored and in the end we're walking around like time bombs <laughs> ticking time bombs with all this stuff we call it baggage or a relationships baggage who doesn't have baggage if we didn't have baggage we probably wouldn't be here in fact, that's a, that's a more profound statement than it even seems. Karma is exactly that. Karma is baggage. So, and this is why I said there's a caveat around the purity of the young child, that even they are carrying karma, from, according to the yogis from past lives. But the thing about children's karma is usually it doesn't start to come into play until um, puberty. There's a shift that occurs in the whole, in the, in the entity around that time where the karmas can get, they come into play. So the stored karmas are called Sanchita karma, it's seed karma. It's the same thing as what I said, but instead of it coming from this lifetime, it came from before. And it's in the energy body at, of the soul, it's at the soul level and it carries through and it's your stuff that you've got to work out and you've got to deal with so um, so then what happens so then it comes into play once it starts germinating it is known as perubdha karma or um... sorry uh, yeah perubdha karma i think is the one that is the karma that's already come into force once it's started to roll you can't you have to it has to go, it has to happen. But then the third type of karma is Kriyamam karma, which is the karma that you're creating right now through your actions. This goes back to your point about if I can watch my thoughts and understand that it's just energy and not get caught in the conflict then you're actually not creating karma. You create karma when you have emotional involvement in in an, an act or a thing there is um, emotional investment, if you kill someone with extreme prejudice, actually it's term, isn't the word terminate like, with extreme prejudice means no, to, to kill. If you kill someone in the heat of passion, there's karma there. You've, you've created a massive imprint that's at some point in the future is going to have to play out somehow if you kill someone out of compassion because they're suffering and you're a doctor say and you're giving them an injection and they're at the end of their life anyway and you're just trying to ease their pain and you're detached and you're doing it professionally completely different situation the act is the same act you've taken a life but the emotional state the condition of the energy body is absolutely different and that's how karmas are formed. So when we seek to go into the subconscious, when we meditate, that will get us to detachment. That'll give us coping strategies. That we're not creating new karmas and also that the karmas, the parabda karma that's playing through is not going to create suffering in us. We still have to endure the broken foot or the heart attack but because we've got detachment we can witness it and therefore the impact on us is not as severe as it would be if we didn't have that ability to detach so meditation alleviates the suffering for the karma that you do have to live through by giving you detachment that you can watch it as you would witness anything else from a distance but, but Meditation will not necessarily in and of itself, possibly over time, a long time, will not necessarily be the best instrument to go in and get rid of the deep buried subconscious stuff that you want to clean out before it becomes, before it comes back to bite you. So what do we use for that? The answer is we can use the techniques that you mentioned, some of those that that, that are, that or psychologists will use hypnosis, which is another form of getting into the subconscious. And I think did we talk last week about uh, Jung and Kundalini in the subconscious? Was that the, another week? That anyway, was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So Jung studied Eastern mysticism, and he's written on Kundalini, which is the energy of meditation. And uh, these guys define subconscious in him and Freud. I think were the two architects, weren't they? But we know that um, basically were the forefathers of modern psychology, out of which hypnosis and other techniques grew. So that it's legitimate what they're doing because they're actually doing it with some degree of understanding of what they're doing but the actual process of hypnosis of taking someone deep into the subconscious state was known well before modern psychology and the practice is called yoga nidra deep yoga nidra which is what we do here and so I've talked about this before do you want me to close some doors? (laughs) Um, we've talked about yoga nidra before at the the most um, Accessible level, Yoga Nidra will give you deep relaxation. So you've probably all encountered that. Guided relaxation through every part of the body, combined with what we do with the breathing as well, takes you in a state of absolute rest, to the point where your body can actually fall asleep, physically fall asleep, and your mind can still be awake that's why nidra means sleep yoga nidra means yogic sleep yogic sleep means the sleep that you have when awareness is still present it's not something that we regularly encounter although we do we just don't recognize it we will get it if we're just falling off to sleep or in the morning when we just wake up the body might still not be falling back they say the brain takes fifteen minutes to wake up Right. So why people are usually a bit groggy or grumpy in the mornings because their brain hasn't come back fully. But in yoga nidra, the body is asleep, but the awareness is present. Now, in the advanced yoga nidra that we're heading towards, you use that awareness to give you access directly into the subconscious mind. And I've had people here that we've done it, and they see the trapped patterns. They see the, the, the conditioned stuff, the baggage that's there and you get such insight into it. And because you have awareness, you also have volition. So you can say, I'm now ready to release this. Once you've walked around it, they discovered see it, the situation you may actually heard. see the situation walk around it as an observer understand finally you get why you've been angry every time you see something or or why you have a phobia for um water you might have drowned or something i don't know do you see what i'm saying it's
2: very powerful it's really powerful it's a bit like the situation you described Mm. In your thoughts of that time, so like in a child, and, yeah, and yeah, the the emotion.
0: Emotion. Yeah, 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 but this goes the thing with Yoga Nidra is, and again, not to discredit what you're saying, which has definite utility, but Yoga Nidra is designed to take you into past, past life past stuff lives, as well, yeah. so that the, the energy body doesn't just dis- differentiate. Mm. Whether it happened this time, last time, or 30 lifetimes ago, it's still there. If it hasn't sprouted, if it hasn't become to karma, then you can go out. You can go in and extinguish it. And so the yogis use yoga nidra to accelerate the dissolution of all that karma, that karmic stuff. Once all the karmic stuff is gone, you've basically got enlightenment.
2: So do they believe, um, the yogis, that if you find it in that deep meditation, then it won't come to fruition?
0: Yeah, you can just you can stop it coming. You can burn the seeds. Right. Meditation does it too. Kundalini, Shakti will roast the seeds of karma before they germinate. But yoga nidra is a more targeted practice Mm-mm. where you can actually... It's a lot about self-knowledge, about understanding, for the mind to understand why it is that these things are there.
2: In Buddhism they just believe you can dilute your karma by doing more and more good deeds. As well. Yeah, that,
0: yeah does it dilute it?
1: Yeah, it dilutes it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's their belief yeah.
3: in
1: Buddhism. Yeah. I one experience after. I've only ever had one from the Yoga Nidra. So I went home. It must have been once a day afternoon we had it. And I went home and that night I happened to be home alone which is rare, but I was home on that for whatever this reason. Anyway, um, there was a family wedding that I couldn't go to. So um, I came here, and then I woke I woke up, and it, I, I can still see it, like, it was just like this thing up in the corner of the bedroom. And it sounded like somebody was breaking into the house. And I was actually going, <gasps> like I was really panicky. Mm. And then it just stopped and I said, oh, oh that's fear that's, that's just fear mm-hmm. and it was gone so there, obviously there was nobody breaking into the house but it was just fear and then I just recognised that it's fear mm-hmm. and it just stopped that's how it
0: happens, so that's what mm-hmm. you do mm-hmm. you recognise it mm-hmm. and the moment you shine light on darkness where does the darkness go? it disappears that's what we're doing going in there and shining light in all the dark corners and we're um, it's a companion practice to meditation so it's not a substitute but it's used to to accelerate the whole progress of getting rid of all the stuff once you've got rid of all the stuff you regain your childlike innocence you become free because you don't you're not carrying it's like the young child you know how children are free they run around and they're just so carefree they're not caught in their phobia or the opinions of others or anything else they guilt young child doesn't have guilt normally now the other thing karma won't explain is why children die at birth or why they get sick at a very young age and you think, what did that child do to deserve that? Mm. We all say that. From the perspective of one lifetime, there's a lot of injustice. From the perspective of multiple lifetimes, if you could see them all, everything is perfectly just. It's just cause and effect playing out. The murderer becomes the victim. The one that is imposed suffering on another is born into suffering. The one that squanders and wastes is without. You see, you feel the power of that, the truth of that statement as it's revealed to you is nothing is unjust. In, from the viewpoint of, let's say, God, the universe the universal intelligence it's just the way that we learn it's the way that we come to understand that everyone is perfect we're just going, we're at just different stages of evolution so it gives you freedom from judgment and it gives you freedom from resentment It's not fair, do you ever say that? It's not fair. What's not fair? Something seems unjust to me, maybe I need to change my perspective. If someone does something to me, I didn't think that was fair. Can I look at it differently? Maybe there's a, maybe it was a little bit over the top, but maybe there's something for me to learn in this situation. Maybe isn't the universe just a mirror? Reflecting, isn't the outer world a reflection of our own state? That when we're happy, everything seems rosy. When we're depressed, everything seems dark. So everything that happens is fair. Mm-hmm. If we had the eye to see it. So, does that help make sense of stuff? So we can't get rid of it without the
1: yoga nidra.
0: Well, it's the, they're the kind of things that we have to look at. It's the ability, the techniques to go deep into the internal state. Now, it may take a while for you to have that ability. You won't necessarily get it overnight. But the thing about these practices, about your whole, let's say, spiritual journey. So where we're heading. I have to retract that and say we're already there, right? Let's assume that but because we don't yet believe that we're fully there we convince ourselves that we have to be on some linear sort of path Until if we could fully accept right now that we're liberated we would have that, but you would have to believe it at such a deep level you couldn't just say it or you might have a life-threatening event where you finally it goes in one instant like you can't tolerate but for most people we're on some sort of journey where we start and where we end is like quantum levels apart the evolution of an enlightened being the degree i mean when they talk about the buddha being able to see four thousand past lives when they talk about my teacher's teacher being able to stop locomotives using his thought you know manifesting stuff walk you know having mastery over nature If you look at Patanjali's Yoga Sutras the last chapter where he talks about supernatural powers I mean these are all described and documented walking through walls and flying and all this stuff to get to that level of evolution in one lifetime would imply such a rate of progress that if it was happening in a linear way you'd never get there so it happens in an exponential way the more you do process speeds up. Even now you feel like it might be heavy going but it gets quicker. It would have to be like that otherwise you'd never get to the end. Now that being said it still might take you several lifetimes but once your kundalini's been awakened, once that meditative energy has been sparked my teacher used to say a maximum of three lifetimes and you're done. Now, three lifetimes, you go, well, that's a lot. Well, Buddha saw four thousand lifetimes. So, that's encouragement for you. That if it seems like this, what I'm talking about, is so far away and unattainable, it's not. It's just a question of your commitment and your. really just commitment and practice and yearning. There's a thing in yoga called mumukshvata, it's the longing for liberation. If you have that already, it can be weak, moderate or strong, right? Longing for liberation. If it's the stronger it is, the more rapid the progress. I've said all that can be said any questions do you feel you have longing for liberation mm-hmm. do you is it strong
2: yeah for me it is yeah to understand the mind and just through my Buddhist teachings and stuff it really gets you to have a good concept of how the mind works
0: once you have a taste of liberation this yeah. is the thing when you get a taste You want more. Once you have that meditation that is better than any that you've had before, more powerful, more profound, deeper, don't you just want more of that? Mm -hmm. Why can't I have it again like that every day? You say, well, it's like the weather. Some days it's sunny, sunny, some days it's cloudy. But if the longing is there and the longing will grow, the pace of progress accelerates consistent with that degree of surrender is another another um, predictor. The more that you are prepared to abandon all these ideas of you being limited, imagine if you started thinking, I'm not un- I am unlimited, not just thinking it, what we said last week, if every aspect of your behaviour was consistent with the belief that you are unlimited, that would be a very different experience of life than one where you think you're inadequate finite imperfect wanting so what our teacher used to encourage us to say he would say you are pure, noble and high he wanted us to affirm that given all the other things that we're indoctrinating, indoctrinated with I thought that was a pretty helpful one you are pure, noble and high come to believe that, the, and he also said something to me when I was like 22 he said you can be anything you can do anything you want and I believed him see it's all mindset yes it's mind but mind's kind of all we have until we have everything so you've got to carry these thoughts you've got to carry this you've got to reprogram the conditioning yeah you'll get to the deep states where you'll be able to do it directly and you can do it anytime like we do here I'll show you next week go home and do it as you're falling asleep in the middle of the night if you wake up go into yoga nidra see if you can identify the blocks Rearrange some of the furniture. If you don't like the layout, rearrange it. It's your, it's your creation. It's exciting because then you can create your unit, your ideal world. You don't have to be a victim anymore. You don't have to suffer anymore. When you get to that level of understanding, suffering is optional. The pain may be unavoidable. But remember we said pain and suffering are not the same. Suffering is why is it's happening to me. It's not fair. The pain is okay. my foot hurts. The suffering is, I can't go surfing for a month. Or or what if, the what ifs are good too, that's a great form. The fear, the fear script is another form of suffering. I read something today from Lao Tzu in the Dao Te Ching. He said, when you can see through fear, you'll always be safe what does that mean? when you can see through fear when you can see that fear is simply a state of mind then it can no longer harm you it can no longer debilitate you paralyze you as you say when you see those thoughts and they're unhelpful thoughts you just watch them and let them go if those thoughts are fearful thoughts you just it's mindfulness you know you go in. so this is the mind in fear it's like walking past the ice cream parlor oh so that's berry. <laughs> These are the states of mind. It's like walking into the gelato bar. Do so you ever walk into a gelato bar? It's remarkable how many kinds of gelato <laughs> there are. I went to Italy last time. Every time I go, I go to this uh, Via del Coronado. It's cool. And there's this ice cream gelateria del teatro. It's at the foot of the theater. So it's the gelateria near the theater and you go in there, I think he said they had like a hundred kinds of gelato not only chocolate, there's like five kinds of chocolate so these are all the states and we can imagine the mind as just being all these different colors Mm -hmm. of thought and they're all there which one are you going to choose? So nothing's really that important. Cool, let's meditate.